Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. Now, we might sound slightly better, Maybe. I hope. Maybe. That's because we have a new microphone. When we first started the podcast, we just started recording off of the microphone that's inherent on my computer. And that's not really the world's best microphone. When we first started the podcast, we weren't sure if we were going to keep podcasting. And because you're cheap. And because I'm cheap, apparently. But um, now that we've been doing this for a while, I want to say this is our 15th or 16th episode. Uh, we figured it was time to upgrade. Uh, speaking of upgrades, we have something new going on at our store. Yep, we sure do. We have new maps. We they're, have... They're one-piece, full-size maps. Yes. So, you probably know that when we started the company, we were limited to... 11 by 17 map segments. So when we had a larger map, we need to put two or four or whatever of those together in order to give you the full playing area. Then you'd have to mate them and put them under plexiglass. But our printer has a new machine, so we're now able to do them all in one sheet. And we started doing that a couple weeks ago. We mentioned it on one of the podcasts that our products now have one-piece maps. But for everyone who got the games previously, or early adopters, we decided to make the maps available as a separate purchase. And a lot of people seem to be taking advantage of that, I would say, Mary. Yep. There's been more orders than we anticipated with that. But that's a good problem to have. Yep. Now, some people got the impression that the new maps were mounted maps, and that is not the case. We're trying to be very careful about that. As you guys know that they are paper maps. We're a war game company. Paper maps is what we do. That kind of comes with the territory. So, uh, no, it's not a mounted map. It's not a, a board. It's a paper map. It's a heavier paper, the it's new a, maps. It's quite nice, yeah. It's a much nicer paper. Uh, it, and it really it holds the color better, too, I notice. The colors are brighter and sharper. So it's uh, really nice, and I really like it. And I'm just happy to be able to, you know, step up our game a little bit uh, in that way. We get people asking us a lot. And it's more people who got infamous traffic than anything else. Because, like, the core kind of war gamers don't really have this expectation that it would be mounted. But we get people asking us, like, why don't you do a mounted map? The reason why we don't do a mounted map is that it would easily, very quickly, balloon the production cost of the game. And as a result, the price of the game that you would pay as the consumer. Even something like Agricola Master of Britain, which is a $30 game. Uh, two 8.5 by 11 display sheets. One's a map sheet and one's a battle board. We could possibly print the map sheet and the battle board on the same material that we make our counters from, which is a 3X board. It's very sturdy. And we've actually had our printer do that and offer it as like a special at conventions. But if that was to be like the actual components in the, the you know the core game, the cost of just doing that, just those two eight and a half by eleven uh, sheets uh, on the board, would double, would be more than double the production cost of the game as it is now. And the thing is, we couldn't do that without, of course, increasing the MSRP. And while I think $30 is a good price point for Agricola and for the uh, amount of game it provides, I can't imagine a lot of people paying 50 or $60 for that same experience. So 
you know, for that reason, mounting the stuff doesn't really make sense for our, our print-on-demand model. And we also get people who ask us, well, why do you do print-on-demand? Why don't you do Kickstarter? Why don't you use, like, a traditional uh, print run, do a P500 system? For one thing, all those different approaches have some kind of risk involved. Or, or rather, they're, they're different ways of mitigating risk. Because you have people who do print-on-demand like we do. That mitigates the risk because there's not a whole lot of upfront costs. We're not printing a thousand copies of a game and hoping that, you know, they sell. Uh, Kickstarter mitigates the risk because you have other people paying your bills, basically. And uh, P500 mitigates the risk because you have so many pre-orders, you have all the money you need to print the game. But the print-on-demand method is the one that seems to work the best for us and is the best fit for us for how we want to mitigate our risk. And it lets us publish a lot of games on different topics, uh, kind of obscure topics, and it allows us to do it as a full-time job. But if we were to do Kickstarter, yeah, it would take X amount of time to get the money if enough people were interested. Mm-hmm. Because we'd have to buy at least a thousand, probably more like two thousand, to get a really good price on the game. Yeah. So somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, Twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, whatever. So it would take X amount of time to get that, then X amount of time for them to print it, ship it. That takes quite a bit of time. Whereas our turnaround time for a game is pretty quick. Yeah. Once we've had the game fully developed and we get the art, we're able to slot it in. You know, some point, two, three months down the road. Because yeah, we already have 15 games out. Uh-huh. We do Kickstarter, what, maybe you do two or three a year? Yeah. That? I mean, that that's stretching it, but still, I mean, you might be able to do that. And then you have to be able to actually hit the funding on all those Kickstarters. Yeah. And to do that, you really need to really hammer the social media stuff in a more aggressive way than maybe works for us. Mm-hmm. And you also need to have like the stretch goals that are going to attract more people to drive drive it up and then on top of all that you need to have a, a game or a concept that's going to get a wider share of people you know uh, the way we work now we can do a game on an obscure topic we've done games on obscure topics we don't need to worry about can we sell a thousand copies of something we need to sell enough to break even and we will pretty much always do that yeah and our games don't go out of print Games never got a print. No, it's great. Um, so you know, I, I think it comes from a good place. People are like you know, you should do this because you know it will help you get uh, more market share and help you do more of this and more of that. But you know, we're kind of doing what what works for us and what we're interested in doing. You know, I'm I'm not really interested necessarily in having uh, you know hundreds of copies of House of Normandy on store shelves across the country and, and across Europe. We do our thing and and it it pays the bills and lets us live our life and I'm I'm okay with that. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Well we're in agreement. High five. Ow. So You're welcome. Yeah. And I think if we were doing it like a Kickstarter or waiting for five hundred pre orders or whatever you know, like a lot of publishers, we would not be doing this full-time. It would be, be very much a part-time sideline kind of thing. And I love that it's full-time. I love that my job is to wake up 
and play board games. That is a great job to have. I think the only problem is structuring the day. We spend a lot of time on the company. Like, all our time on the company. And sometimes we'll lose track of time because we're I'm working on playtesting something or you're working on a rule book or whatever. And, you know, suddenly it's 2 o'clock, we haven't had lunch yet. 8 o'clock and we forgot to make dinner. You know, it's easy for stuff to get away from us. We missed someone's wedding once. I think they're still mad at us. Like, we were we were doing something and... And they were like, oh, wait, it was so-and-so's wedding. We were supposed to be there today. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, I don't either. Well, I'm sure they're happy. One thing we do that kind of helps us structure it is that we have a uh, to-do list. Each of us has, like, a list of things to do. And we've started, like, putting little deadlines on there. We don't really always hit the deadlines, or, or ever in, in my case, but it, it helps us say, oh, we, we should be getting this done by this time. And helps keep us more on task and prioritize things because we got a lot of you know, a lot of balls in the air that we're juggling, you know. We're working on it and trying to make sure we have time for for us to do us things and get out of the house and go see a movie. You know, we're gonna see Spider Man this weekend probably. I'm looking forward to that. I like Spider Man. I'm a big Spider Man fan. I tried to name one of our cats Spider Man, and Mary wouldn't let me. I said, why don't you name her Spider-Woman? Because Spider-Woman is a dumb character. Spider-Man is so much cooler. Spider-Man was a perfect name. You didn't want Spider-Girl either. I'm not really big on, like, alternate future timelines. We ended up naming her Monster, which is a good name. But it fits her. She could have been Spider-Man. Yeah, that wouldn't have fit her as much as, Spy- as uh, Monster. Monster fits her just right. Well, before Except we... her name is Princess Monster Girl. <laughs> Esquiress. Yes, this this is true. I've been reminded of this many times. So before we go, uh, we have two things we want to announce. I'll let Mary handle the first one. And what is that, Mary? Dynasty should be out the third week of July. That's our next game. It's from designer Richard Berg. We're going to have a couple videos coming out, of course, in the next week. That will kind of tell you about the game and some of the cool uh, mechanisms uh, involved with it and why it's kind of an essential game and a very different game for a Richard Berg game. We had a lot of people kind of making, uh, kind of cracking jokes when they we announced that the rulebook was 11 pages long because they're like, no, they, they got to be kidding. The Richard Berg game can't have 11 pages of rules. The type must be t- really tiny, and it's not. The type is actually pretty darn big. So uh, it's a very different, very unusual Richard Berg game. The other thing we want to announce is that we will be publishing a game called Bitskrieg. That's Bits, not Blitz. Bitskrieg from designer Scott Muldoon. Uh, He's also the designer of Cataclysm from GMT. And he's someone who likes to groom old swords, which, you know, I I approve of that. And it's a really fun game that he co-designed with his son. And we'll be telling you more about that in the coming weeks. Is that cataclysm or cataclysm? Because you said cataclysm. (laughs) Cataclysm. I'm not... Mary, you know English is not my first language. My first language is doofus. On that note, I think we're going to say goodnight, everybody. Bye.